In this episode of the Encourage Inspire podcast, I'm joined by Mike and Caroline Walker. Uh, Mike has over 30 years of experience as a multi-instrumentalist, producer, composer, songwriter, educator. Uh, Caroline is the co-owner of their artist development company, Dreamwalker Music and Evolution, as well as she is a songwriter and she writes lyrics. Uh, this is a great episode, man, because Mike and Caroline actually live in Orlando, which is the same city I reside in. And what's interesting is we have connected on social media, but we have never been able to actually talk. So this was the first opportunity that we got a chance to get to know each other. So it was just really cool to connect with somebody in my city and learn so much about their journeys and what they've been through, you know. Mike realized early on after he got to, after he uh, when he grew up in Philadelphia, he was he was really into football early on, but then he realized once he got to high school that he was just too small to continue to to pursue football, so he figured out one day that he loved to play the guitar and that he knew that music was something that he wanted to do. And, you know, he lost his parents at an early age, and his brothers tried to get him to get going to the construction industry, but he quickly realized that music was something he wanted to do forever for the rest of his life. And he knew he had to find a way to do whatever he had to do to make a living at it, so he started to... Uh, be a session player, you know, um, write songs for people as well as be a music teacher and would teach people how to play guitar. He figured out any possible way it would take for him to make money uh, being a creative, you know, and, and pursuing music, you know. He talks about, you know, coming down to Florida after obviously growing up in Philly and having to reacclimate himself and learn and build new relationships, which again, ultimately allowed him to become a session player in studios where he was starting to make really good money. Uh, he eventually was a part of a band that got nominated for a Grammy, but unfortunately the band disbanded. And he realized that uh, since he wasn't gonna get a chance to go after a major record deal, he decided to switch his focus into production where he started to produce and really began to have a passion for that. Um, he also realized that artist development was something that was missing for a lot of artists, especially coming up today. And him and his wife, Caroline, um, really saw a need for that. So that's when they started the company Dreamwalker Music Evolution, where they do a lot of uh, artist development, and they mostly focus on the craft of artist development. You know, Caroline has delved into a little bit of the business side, but she is still very, um, not very new to that as far as the management and things like that, and want to get involved in that. She actually says that her newest passion has been within the last five years, being a lyric writer and really helping Mike to expand his catalog as they delve into sync and different things like that. But what I love about them, like I said, is they really have a focus on artist development and really helping to shape the stars of tomorrow, whether it be a hobby for some people or they want to take their music career to the next level. They pride themselves on making sure that their clients are prepared to be able to pursue their dreams and goals. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode.
Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Encourage Fire Podcast, episode number 45. And today we have some really special people uh, joining me today. We have Mike Carolina Walker of Dream. Am I saying it right? Let me try to say it correctly. Um, let me make sure I say Dream Walker Music Evolution is with me today. How you doing? Good. Doing great. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And what's interesting, guys, is that we are from the same city and you know we we've connected on social, but this is the first time we're getting a chance to talk. And I'm so glad because it's just a beautiful thing when I get a chance to meet people who are like minded like me in the same city of Orlando. Cause I just love Orlando and I love what we're doing here. And, you know, like we were saying before we got on the before we started recording, you know, we're never going to be one of the big music hubs, but there's opportunities here to build. And I think that's a great thing. So thank you guys for being here. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. 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 So um, I would like to start it off. So, oh, Mike, are you guys, are you guys originally from the Central Florida area? I'm from Philadelphia originally. Okay. I'm from Minnesota. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. I was born in Brooklyn, New York, but I was raised here. Oh, okay. I've been here since I was 18. So okay. I'm pretty much a man. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Got okay. Cool. Awesome. 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 Yeah. You know, one thing about Orlando is like, most of us aren't from here originally anyway. You know, very, very rare to find people that are born and raised in our, in our city, you know? <laughs> cool, cool. Um, so, you know, I would like to ask this question when we started. Like, what, what, and you guys both guess about both can answer this question. You know, what's your earliest memories of music? I was I always like to start off with that question. Like, what do you remember about music as a, or the early age where you like, this is something I know I want to be a part of forever. I think my journey was kind of weird in the fact that, believe it or not, I was actually a jock. Like all the way up until high school, like I was like really into football and, and um, I just, I just didn't have the size for it. Once I get into high school, I started getting knocked around so bad that I was like, all right, figure something else out. Right. And um, so like nobody in my family was musical, but I think having that sports mentality of like practicing every day and, and really working hard kind of carried over into maybe like the fact that I didn't have like you know, people in my family that did it, but I did have a good work ethic. So like, I don't know, it was weird. All of a sudden I'm looking at this poster of this guy with a guitar and I'm like, wait a minute, I think I want to do this. It was weird. Like there was nothing, like nothing ever like made me want to pick up an instrument or anything. And it was just like, I saw the poster and I think, well, let me try this. And I'm probably not going to get hurt as much. And you know, so, so I like, I started playing and man i just couldn't put it down like i just was obsessed right and so the more i learned the more i became obsessed and my friends were always like dude let's go out let's party let's do this i'm like no i gotta practice and they're like right yeah you know like what is going on with you and they thought there was something wrong with me or something like and we go to parties and i'd have to bring my guitar like if i cut the grass my mom would be like oh go cut the grass and i'd have the guitar on and i'd be like cutting the grass Right. It was, awesome. it was pretty obsessive, man. But um, I'm glad I put that time in during those years because, as you know, 
the more you become an adult, the harder it is to put in that time on your craft. Yeah. Then you got to pay bills. You got to figure out how to do things. And so yeah. those four years in high school, man, I, I, I mean, you're talking six to eight hours a day. I'd probably put into music, you know, like I'd be at school, like with butterflies in my stomach waiting to get home to play. Right. It was just obsessive. So, um, so yeah, that was my journey. Um, that's how it started. And I can probably give you more insight as, as that thing. Unfolded. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely get into it. Uh, how about you? So my earliest memories of music, um, we had a huge record collection when I was growing up and my mom and my dad listened to music constantly. So it was a lot of classical music. Um, every single Beatles album, uh, there was some James Taylor and Carly Simon, you know, some folk music going on. Um, so I grew up listening to music. I mean, we had playing all the time, every day. Um, <clears throat> I was a flute player <laughs> in middle school and high school. Um, so did the whole little, you know, band, high school band thing. So um, that's sort of my claim to fame as far as uh, my musical talent goes. I can, I can read music and kind of... <laughs> Starts and stops there. Um, <laughs> so, but, you know, I loved reading and my parents read to me and I read to my kids. I love books. That led me to a real love and passion for writing. I always thought someday maybe I'd be a novelist or, or something along those lines. Um, but, you know, life happened. I went to college. I actually have a, a counseling background. I, I didn't really think about pursuing music at all yeah. um, I had kids stayed right. home with kids and and the writing thing sort of fell by the wayside until um, I had an opportunity to start writing lyrics and that's really where my my passion lies is as a lyricist right. um, it's not something that I got into until I don't know maybe about five years ago mm -hmm. um, so had I not met Mike I, I don't think I ever would have gone you know, down the path of music, but, uh, here I am. Exactly. Look, I always try to tell people music kind of found me. Like, entertainment found me. I didn't find it. Uh, but I'm so glad I did because it's my passion. And for me, you know, have, you know, being born with disability, never thought I'd ever be involved in music, but I was actually part of a hip-hop dance group here locally uh so you guys know in the in the in the fall we have the florida classic weekend or florida a&m and, and they come and play the big football game downtown at, right. at camping world you know it, it, right before thanksgiving and so back then um so on the friday night they have all like the black high schools play back the blue the battle of the bands Right, and so our little dance crew had got booked one year to do it, and there were like eighteen thousand people out there. Oh, wow. And I, they, and so we did a routine, and they set the routine up to have a freestyle session. At the end of the routine, they brought me out at the freestyle, session, and nobody had ever seen that before. Like eighteen thousand people out there, and it's like, dude, this is fun. And I'm like, I want to be a part of like entertainment. Like I didn't think my sister was always the one that was a creative person. She was in the marching band and did all that stuff. I didn't do it. I thought I was going to go do hospitality tourism because that's what I was in school for the last two years of high school. But, um, yeah, it just found me. Like, do I want to go learn the business? I said, okay, I want to go learn the business. I was fortunate enough to 
to you know meet my my mentor or my big brother Lashawn, who's actually the owner of the podcast network that the podcast is housed today. Um, so yeah, he took me under his wing as a nineteen year old kid that wanted to be in this business, and and you know, and we're still moving, we're still going, and I'm still pursuing my dreams. So uh, it's tough; it's really hard, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, it's 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 worth it at the end of the day. So. Absolutely. That's a great story. Yeah, absolutely. So you have 30 years of experience as as an instrumentalist, producer, composer, so a lot of things. So when did you know, like, okay, I'm going to do this professionally? You know, because obviously you said you started playing high school, but when did you know, like, okay, I'm I'm doing this as a career? Yeah, um, everybody loves this story. It it kind of starts out sad. Like, you know, I lost my parents at a young age, like my dad uh, when I was 10 and my mom when I was 18. Oh, wow. That is young. Yeah. Yeah. And so at 18, I had already kind of went to um, this um, recording engineering school because that whole thing of having something to fall back on and stuff. But right. uh, my brothers were in the construction business and they were kind of like, hey, listen, man, you know, music's cool, but, you know, you need to come work for us because you need to figure out how to make money, you know, like. We're all on our own now, you know, blah, blah, blah. So they gave me that sign of going stop slow out on the road. Right. And all I did for three months it was think about, I've got to make this music thing work. I've got to make this music thing work. I can't do this for the rest of my life. I right. And um, from there on, I, th- I feel like that was the best thing for me because it really did make me get it together and go, I got to figure out how to make a living doing this. And so first thing I did is I, I went into um, a music store and um, I kind of started working there. And then from there I started teaching and um, the teaching thing picked up. And I, I never had a problem with teaching. I know a lot of musicians, they hate it. They're like, oh, I don't want to teach people how to play, you know, they don't right. practice blah, blah. but I think a lot of those people, they don't really have a, a strategy for teaching people. And right. that makes if you just go in and go, what do you want to learn today? It's going to be the longest hour of your life. But if you say, okay, for 10 minutes, we're going to do this. 10 minutes, we're going to do this. 10 minutes, we're right. going to do hour is the fastest hour of your life, right? Exactly. You just got paid to do something you love to do, right? You know, so you're turning the light on for people. And so um, I got into doing that. And then, um, I started working for a company where they were doing um, amplifiers. Um, and so my job was to test amplifiers. <laughs> so I had a guitar, plugged it into an amp. Oh, that works, blah, 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 blah. You know, so, so that was kind of fun. So think the doors kept kind of opening as I, as, I, um, as I pursued this. And so what I would do is put myself under a lot of different things within music. Okay, so I'll teach. Okay, so I'll work for this amplifier company. Okay, so I'll gig. Okay, so like, you know, like I would take anything like, you know, there was one thing where like, I really like like Stanley Jordan and playing the two hand tapping style. And so next thing you know, I'm playing for like the DuPont family, like at, at this, like, you know, I got to dress up and, but right. you know, I, I made like $400 in one hour. I'm like, okay, man, this is cool. You know, like I'm playing like this jazzy stuff and they love it. And, you know, so I would just kind of put my, myself under all these different things, anything I could do with music to make money. I would do it. And so if it meant playing covers or whatever. So I moved down to Florida, had to kind of reestablish myself because in Philly, I started kind of making a name for myself. But then it was like, I just got tired of the cold and I just wanted a new, a new place to go. And, and right. I just 
Orlando. And, um, you know, I got into doing that. And then I got into, um, you know, I was always playing in original bands and stuff like that down here. I was teaching. And then, like you mentioned, the boy band thing, I kind of started going to all those different studios and playing. Like, I don't even know what ended up happening to those tracks. All I know is they were paying me to go in there with my wah-wah pedal. And they were like, all right, play something else. Play something else. I'm sure it probably ended up on those albums. But, you know. And you know what, and it's interesting, you know, people make a living doing that. That's what you know, because yeah. look, the people make a living playing in, in session in session players. You know what I mean? And they make good money. I loved it. I, I mean, that yeah. was, to me, it felt more like home than playing it on gigs, because for gigs, there was always that type A personality that I have where I was always like, this isn't right, this isn't right. You know how it is when you, yeah. when you, when you perform, there's always something, whether it's the sound or whether yeah. it's the... The drummer forgot his part, you know, like, you know, there's all these little things where at least in the studio, I felt like I could have some control. Right. And, um, and then so um, I was in an original band. I'm probably losing some things along the way, but um, we had gotten all the way to the point where um, we had submitted for this Grammy um, contest. It was like for unsigned bands. Grammys were looking for like right. unsigned bands. And so within this contest was like Francesca Battistelli. Um, you know, she was a big Christian artist, um, a guy from uh, Nashville, Johnny Bilford, he was in the contest, like all these people that went on to do some pretty big things. Right. And we were, we were like, kind of like the old guys, even though we were like in our thirties, but like people were like, oh, they're not going to win because they're like 30, you know? But um, so we ended up, you know, all four of us could sing and we ended up just doing this thing that I think they thought was really cool and we wrote our own songs and stuff. And, and uh, so we ended up winning the thing. And then it was like, Two guys in the band were like one had a really good gig and he's like well i don't want to lose this gig and the other guy was really involved in his church and he was like well i don't want to go on the road like i'm really involved in my church and blah so it's right. like we won this thing and then the grammys were like we're gonna give you we're gonna put your guys information on grammy letterhead and send it to all the major labels right <laughs> out of the gate two of the guys were like i don't want to do it anymore oh my gosh so i'm sure you're like guys we're like right here right you guys are you know so from there, I was just like, all right, and, and you know, my son was just born, and he was like a year and a half old. So I was just like, you know what, I want to. I think I'm just going to get into producing. I'd already started working with bands and doing that, and from all the coaching and 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 you know, uh, lessons and stuff that I'd done through the years, that really helped with production. So, but the only learning curve was everything was computer based now. So. I ended up having to hire an engineer for a few years to learn all the new ropes because when I went to school, it was tape machines and all that kind of stuff. So that was really cool. Um, So yeah, that's how I kind of got into production. And then then Caroline and I kind of, we we started having talks about what we could do with the business. And I started mentioning how labels used to develop people and how they don't do that anymore. Maybe we could kind of do something here where we do this, whole artist development program where we do a lot of different things for people to try to get them ready for the real world. I love that. I love that. And you got covered so many things I was going to talk about. So <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. No, but, but um, <laughs> I don't know. It's all good. It's all good. No worries. Um, no, that's so important because this industry kind of has a way of, you know, making you pivot sometimes. You know, because like you said, people, you have a chance to possibly get a record deal. You go change your life per se, you know, and it's like, okay, well, 
that didn't work out. So what's that, you know, what's that going to look like? And like I said, you're in Orlando, so it's not like they don't, those opportunities don't come every day. You know what I mean? There's not major record companies just saying, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do this and do that for you here. So you know that that sure that was, bump, but you figured it out. You know you figured out that that in production there's always gonna be people always gonna need songs. And these days you have you have beat makers, but then you have real producers. You know what I mean? You have people who make tracks. You know I tell people all the time, like especially in the world that I'm in, a lot of times is you guys know this, like. You have people who just make beats, and that's what they do. And but then you want production, real producers that cost real money. They have people that come in and produce your record that costs real money. I remember I had a client, a, a a lady I was working with, and she wanted, so she wanted to me to she wanted to hire me as a manager, and I told her no. And I convinced her to to hire me as a consultant. So the first thing I always start with is education. Education is the number one thing. That artists are missing today, you know. She's a little older, which age again, age doesn't matter in today's space. Age doesn't matter. If if you're willing to do what you want, to, it doesn't matter how old you are. If you're willing to do the work, you can you can you can make things happen. And so she hires me. I commissioned her to hire me, and so we start doing the training. We did three sessions, right? And we did the sessions at nighttime, and which I don't care. Whatever's how you want to do this, fine with me. And she'd show up to the sessions and she'd be laying down. Like literally like laying down in the bed while I'm trying to teach or trying to have a session. We did this the third time and she said to me, Well, you know, do I want to talk to you? Um uh, I didn't sign up to go to class and I didn't sign up to <laughs> to, to, to go to college. I said, I want product. And I'm like thinking to myself, so you're not even really want to do the work, but you want six you want me to just give you, get you product. So I want to talk to her, but I want to talk to her Middleton, who's a well-known producer, Grammy-nominated producer with Biggie, Usher, Mary J. Blige, big names. And I asked him, I said, how much would it cost you to make three records? And he said, well, whatever her bottom line is, is my top line. So I said, look, you're probably thinking about 50 to 60 hours per song. She wants three songs. So that's about four grand a song, you know? Times three, it's like twelve grand. And I told her that number. I, she said she she caught a fit. I'm like, well, no, that's what it costs. You want somebody to make a real, real a real production of your song? That's the type of money that it costs. It's really not that expensive, to be honest with you. It could be a lot more than that. You know, what I mean? you know, when you have to, you got to write the song, got to write the lyric, got to make the track, got to write the lyric, got to record the song. You know, you got to mix it. <laughs> you got to, there's a lot of things you got to do. You got to, like, so it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to, to have somebody that's a real producer that comes in here and makes your song. It's one thing to go get a beat. You can get a beat for 20 bucks. Yeah. 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 Yep. You want somebody to produce your song, that requires a process. If you don't really understand that, like, this is a craft. This is a real craft. You know, and I, we've got away from that because of the internet, unfortunately, because everybody thinks they can do this. Everybody thinks they can they can make records for a living. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's easy now. They think it's easy to make records, you know? Yeah. It's, it's so interesting um, in, in this business. And like like you mentioned before, there there's a lot of talent in Orlando. Yeah. There's, there's so much talent here. Um, but, and there's resources, you know, people such as yourself. Yeah. Um, and, 
and other, you know, um, people in the industry, podcasts, um, programs, all that kind of thing. But like you said, it really starts with education. And if you're not willing to become educated about what it, what it takes to get from point A to point B, um, it's, it's just, it's, people just don't get it. Um, They want to go from point point A to point Z. Right. it just doesn't work that way. Right. So, right. You know, I, that, that story that you just told is like, oh my gosh. Yeah. We've, we've been down that road before as well. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you can. You, I know you guys work with a lot of young talent. So how's, how, and we'll, we'll, we'll ask this question. Like how has it been? And I was going to ask this later, but we can ask it now. Uh, you know, how is it? How do, how do you guys view artist development? You know, how do you guys view that? in terms of how you view it versus how the how the industry is seeing it because like we said we, people don't really want to do young people don't want to do us because we have social media now they think we have social media and i have followers so i don't need artists people are you know and so that's always an interesting thing to me and i think we need it now more than ever actually yeah yeah you know? you want- oh, good <laughs> um, sorry, so i'll turn so, you know, there, it, it's, it's a lot of it, the cornerstone of really what we do, what yeah. Mike does, is, is craft, craft development. Right. So that, is, um, that encompasses, you know, learning your instrument, getting your, your vocals, um, you know, to the point where, where, you know, you've got that dialed in and also learning how to write songs. Um, so we focus a lot on, on craft. Um, okay. And the, you know, people love that. The, our clients love that. It's, you know, the craft development is something that we're just so blessed to have, to work with so many people who are serious about their craft and, right. be, you know, students and, and learn and grow in their craft. Um, it's, it's amazing um, that the people we work with take that so seriously. We love that. Then there's the whole business aspect of things. Um, yep. That's just not as fun, quite frankly. It's, yeah, it isn't. It's, it's, not, it's not gonna be, but it's, it's, it's necessary. Yeah, it's totally necessary. It's necessary. Yeah. So that's where, you know, we find um, it a little challenging is, is for people to wrap their heads around the fact that they need to learn the business aspect of things. And, and that does also, of course, encompass social media. Social media is like a, a huge- Of course, you need it. You have to, like, you have to have it. I tell artists all the time, if you, in today's space, if you don't embrace social media, you can't do it. You have to, you can't get around it. You can't get around it. Yeah. I mean, we do, you know, have some people that, you know, I hate social media and it's like, well, does anybody really? I mean, I guess some people love it, but I do. I personally do, but that's just me because I like to. It allows me to promote what I want to promote. You know why people don't like social? You know why artists don't like social media because they don't know who they're talking to. So that's why. They, that's why they don't like it. If they actually knew who this part of why I train, I teach what I teach. Rick Barker. A lot of stuff. We all, we all teach the same stuff, man. It's you know, but we do it the way we do it. I have so much respect for him and what he's doing and. and, and um, I will be at your event the time we're recording this. This will this will be out way after that, but I will I'm going to show up and, and, and support that. Um, but definitely, but I think what happens a lot of times is they don't know what to post, so they're and then they don't know they don't know how to sell. 
So another thing too, so that's another big thing. But so part of what I teach is called the genesis of superfan building, right? So there's there's a few elements with that. There is what we call the artist profile, which is who they are, why they're doing what they're doing. But then within that, that's called the brand position statement. The community that you want to serve, who you are, why should somebody care? So you yeah. figure that out. Now we figure that out. So now we kind of have a little bit of a game plan of what you're doing, what what the mark you want to make. Next is the buyer fan persona or the fan avatar, whatever you want to call it. Now we got to figure out what does the the person that's your, in your core audience, what does he or she look like? Because that's talk about demographics and psychographics, stuff like that. So that's what I teach. And believe it or not, a lot of artists haven't really done that stuff before because they think all I got to do is go run ads on Instagram and I'm just going to get a fan base. And I'm like, oh, like you need... That stuff is great for scale, but most of the people that we probably run into, they're not ready for that yet. So they need foundation. So I feel like that's why I focus on the foundation aspect of it because, you know, I want them to have something to build. Because I, I care about what kind of artists we're going to be here for the long term. Because you only have two types of artists. You got trendy artists, whatever genre you're in, trendy or talented. So if you're doing, if you're going to go to go into something that you're on trend, right? It's cool being on trend when you first start out, but then what happens when the trend shifts? Yeah. You know? And then so when you're talented, it just takes longer. You already got to understand that. It's just going to take longer. There's no way around that. <laughs> you know? When you got a real message and you don't necessarily, you aren't necessarily just trying to trying to do the trendy thing, you're a real talent, it's just going to be, it's just going to be a long process. And some artists have a hard time with that. And some people think that they can just throw money at it. And, and, yeah, and, you can't. Hey, there's going to be plenty of people that will take that money and yeah. tell you want to hear, but that doesn't mean anything's going to change. All you right. do is wait. Exactly. Yeah. It's like politics. You got to, like, it's just like, well, and I'm not a political guy, but you can have all the money to run your political campaign. If the people don't like you, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. You have to like you. People have to like you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they have to like you, man. So you can't, like you said, money. Well, well you need money because this is expensive and this this is really, really expensive to do. Yeah. But like I said, like, but even if you have the money, like you said, if you don't, you have to build it because you got to realize we're selling emotion. Or yeah. you're not selling a, you're not se- like, so I always say this too. Everything, when it comes to the recording, like recording, mixing, mastering, that's the technical side. That's the only thing that's objective. What that's done, everything else, subjective. Yeah. yeah. So nobody else can tell you, like, we can, you guys can't guarantee that people are going to like your stuff. You can't guarantee it. Yeah. We can have an idea, but nobody can tell you that, you know, people are going to like your shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to really. <laughs> so, so people got to really, they want guarantees. There is none. Like, well, could you get, I can't guarantee you anything. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> client that we've been working with for a while and her, and, and their parents were kind of like, well, we thought that, you know, they have the talent. So we thought that they were going to be a star. And I'm like, Hey, listen, you should just go get a lottery ticket. Right. <laughs> but here's what we've done. I said, we have prepared this person to be a studio singer. She's had so much work in the booth that she could literally go to different studios and work and, and be a vocal a vocalist, right? Right. She's got enough material to go out and play gigs on her own. Right. right? 
Um, she could probably go teach vocals if she wanted to, because she was up to that level. And you know, there was, a, and she was actually starting to become a pretty good writer. I said, so right there, if you look at all those, you know, she has the ability to make it. I started kind of calculating, like she did this many gigs and she did this. You know, she's gonna make already sixty grand out of sixty grand a year. You know, I said, so you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is, and that's you know one of the things that that we stress and when people come to us is if you're if you're coming to us because you think that we can make you a star or your kid a star you have not come to the right place we're not right. saying that's happen but we will you know bring out the best in them we will teach them everything we can we will we have resources we can send people to it's very wraparound yeah. but you from this program being able to make a living in music whether exactly well you guys are preachers because i say the same thing see this is so look i love you guys and look we gotta definitely do some work together because you guys <laughs> can i tell people all the time like like and i tell them okay if you want to harm do do my artist development program it's about 30 grand right but which is cheap because they don't understand they think that's a lot of money that's not that much money yeah. You want to play with the big boys in this business, it costs dough. It's just what it is, right? Yeah. But, I'm sure similar to you guys, when they hire you, you don't own anything. They they keep their masters. You know, you could, they're, pay, you, they're paying you. So, look, you take your songs with you. You take your image and branding with you. We're just consultants. We just, just pay us because what they don't understand is we have to go into our network of people to help people, and that costs money. Yeah. I know you guys bring Rick down to do work. That costs money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You you know, you don't understand. Like those resources cost money, so they have to pay for these things. Right. Yeah. That but doesn't guarantee that it doesn't. See, people think that everybody wants to get to the one percent. Yeah. Very few people get there. Yes. Very <laughs> few people get to the one percent. You're probably not going to. Right. Yeah. I've been fortunate enough to visit six different countries. I tell people, I want you to be global. You yeah. go around the world, and the world is a whole. You know what I mean? And so again, when you when you give them these other options, like sixty k is pretty good living, making music. Right. Yeah, and, you, yeah. and you're doing what you love. Yeah, and we also teach as well. You know, don't try to focus on just one thing. You know, when right. we lost several clients who were in their twenties because all of their gigs dried up and that was pretty much what they were doing. They were just gigging. Right. Another, you know, real teachable moment is if you're going to be in the music business, try to do a variety of things to pay your bills. Like Mike was, you know, when the pandemic hit, I started transcribing music for people in India yeah. <laughs> and, and, and yeah. the PayPal's would just keep coming. When they found out that I was doing that, they're like, Hey, sir, could you transcribe this song for me? And I'm like, sure. So, you know, it was like that, like the first, because I guess the pandemic didn't really hit them in the beginning. Like it was hitting us. Yeah. It took a little while. And so during that course, I mean, I was, I was, I don't, I don't know how much I was doing there as far as like just transcribing and, and sending these videos to people in India and they would, they would PayPal me. And, and it was, uh, it was cool. So you just have to open up, you know, and then I was already familiar with Zoom. So that kind of helped. You yeah, know, that, yeah, same here. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't really miss a beat with that, you know, but uh, yeah. yeah. Gotta- India is great. I've been there. It's very, and they're very westernized over there. Actually, 
my uh, uh, my colleague and, and part of Ashish Vanchanda, he's in the Full Sail Hall of Fame. He like they've actually moved here now. They live in Orlando, but he took us off. So this is a conference called Me Dem. It's they've canceled it now. Have you guys heard of it? It's the number one. It was the number one international music conference where people come together. It's in conference. And went and it's a B2B event. So you people go there to really build out their music business internationally. And I've been very fortunate to go there three times and build a lot of my international relationships. And so uh, it's funny because when I met Ash when I found out about Ashish after I graduated from Full Sail around like the February of that year, I saw him speak at a panel during Hall of Fame week. Uh, do you guys do a lot of stuff with Full Sail at, at, at all? We have a little bit here and there. Like I, I've done some um, some of the behind the scenes stuff where like, okay. you know, and, and, and so we know a few people that are over there that have like, we've done some. Yeah, some yeah. so I'm a grad there. You know, I'm a grad. I graduated there in 2015. And so I, I still go back. and I do a lot of mentorship with a lot of young people there, too. So but with Ashish, you know, I met him. I saw speaking a panel. We didn't meet then, but when I went to France, when I went to French later that year, we met in the field. So I try to tell you all the time, you never know how things are going to happen. So yeah. we met in the field and at the conference, and he saw us perform, my artists perform, and he invited us to his 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 festival and music conference in India. Flew us out there, took care of us, everything. And wow. India was amazing, man. It's because they're, they're very westernized there. They're very they love American culture, but when you go over there, man, they love Americans. When you go to other parts around the world, you'd be surprised, like, how much they love Americans over there. And it just, it's a whole different thing. So I try to tell people, uh, being global is everything. Yeah. Because it just, it, it, it allows for so much great opportunity. So I totally understand, you know, you have to, you have to pivot sometimes, you know, especially during the pandemic. You know, it hurt everybody. Definitely, people that gig for eleven people that do show production. It really, you know, did it just now kind of pick it back up where people can start to fill their schedules up again and, and do things like yeah. that. But that's the nature of the game. It's yeah. the it shift. That's the way it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. When that hit, we were like, okay, well, we've got this new place, and and um, and so. We just took that time during the time we were zooming, and that's when we got the studio built downstairs. So they're hammering away downstairs, and we were upstairs zooming. So we just kind of were like, yeah. "Okay, roll yeah." With it. So you have to be able to roll with it, yeah. right? Right. You know, going back to artist management thing and the parents, that's that's always been interesting to me because, <laughs> you know, when parents, that's why I would say that's why I would say parents should never manage their kids. They should never, because it's too emotional. It's too emotional, man. They don't know how to look at it from, unless they really go learn the business. Most of them don't, but, right. you know, and I'm, I'm sure that's always interesting to deal with for you guys. When you deal with young, like, because the parents just think, my kid's a star. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> you know Glenn Barclay? No, I don't. He's with uh, with IBA. Um, he does a lot of stuff out of Disney, but he's, he told me a saying one time, and I don't know why it just stuck stuck with me. But he's like, "Man, he's like, if I if I could buy them for what they're worth and sell them for what they think they're worth, I'd be rich." Exactly. You know, a lot of them. You know, a lot of them just think that again because they think this is the the day of. Oh, I'm just gonna go put you to a record label, and it's gonna no. Right. 
Right. Yeah. It just doesn't work that way. Because record companies now, they finish. They don't start. Yeah. Right. So you got to get yourself from zero to sixty, and that right there takes a whole lot of energy and time and money. By the time you get yourself from zero to sixty, you spent a lot of money. For instance, people don't realize. I tell them all the time. To work a song at radio, you guys know this: one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. 200,000 for one single at radio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you know? know and, and, you know, along those lines, too, when it when it comes to investing, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes, <laughs> it's funny, sometimes people want to, you know, their, their clients, these young clients, and they want to release music. Yeah. And we don't ever want to be discouraging, but by the same token, it's like, okay, well, you're not really on social media though. Like who's your audience? Like if right. you, want, you want to do this for your friends and your family or just for yourself, that's super cool. Like we completely support that. But if you're doing this and you want to make that investment right. uh, and you're going to release a single and you expect something to happen, well, you might want to think about that. Maybe you should, you know, learn the business aspect of things a little bit more right. before you think about just you know throwing things out there so you know the parents get really excited sometimes are the ones that i think are even a little bit more excited for their kid to release something because you know they're they're so proud of their kids and rightly so i mean we've got our youngest one is in a band you know we we get it we you're proud and you want to you know share that with everybody else um but there has to be you know, some some rhyme and reason to, to what you're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it, it, you have to understand that it, it, this thing changes. This is different time, you know. I tell artists now, you're not a recording artist. That term is dead to me. You're a content creator with a focus on music. That's where it shifted. Yeah, right? I love, that. I love yeah. that. You know what I mean? That's what, so, you know, because recording artists to me was like, the Eagles, yeah, the yeah. like they made records, and the only content they had was the music video. That was it, or what we would consider content now, right? But yeah. now you can't release anything without a content strategy. That's the difference. Yeah. Yes. This generation, that's the difference. You have to have, you can have a great record if there's no content strategy, because people care about you. Yes. Yeah. For your music. I'm sure you yeah. guys, so you guys share that with your clients all the time. They don't care that much about your music. They care about you. Mm-hmm. When they care about you, they'll automatically care about your music. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes hand on hand. And I try to tell people that. Like, so don't get me wrong. Make great music. Make great music. But don't under, but understand that they own they really care about you first. And, and, yeah. the, and the people who get that, who show their personality, get that and show up every day. Right? I talk about the three pillars of fan engagement. is authenticity, consistency, and sustainability. Authenticity being you got to be authentically you. Mm-hmm. Consistency means you got to show up every day. Social yeah. media every day. Yeah. Every day. If I have to do it, and I'm targeting artists, why don't you think you have to do it? If you guys have to do it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have to do it. Why would I think they have to? You know, I just, it just makes. There's no shortcuts to this thing, man. No, nobody can do it 
do it for you. You know, yeah. we've situations, you know, where somebody wants, you know, somebody to take over their social media or a parent says, well, my, my child doesn't like social media, so we're going to pay somebody to do it. And it's like, well, then it's not authentic. Right. And content. I mean, it, it really needs to come from, from the person. Right. So there is no shortcut. You do. You got to show up every day. And it's not easy. It's not. This is a job. This is a real, like, this is really, again, this, people don't, you know, used to bother people that say, oh, you're going to go be an artist, go get a real job. Like, they don't understand what goes into this craft. This is a career. This is a craft. Like, this is a craft. This is a real job. And that always used to bother me because I know what it takes for creatives to do this. And it's a lot of work. And, and so there's always that people don't know, because a lot of people, they don't know. A lot of people, a lot of people in this business think, you think it's something you do on the side. You know, a lot of people don't think you can have a creative a career in, in the arts because it, it just wasn't done before. Like, like, so people didn't think you could go be a, an artist for a living and create and do things. Now, there's different aspects to that. If you want to go be a professional singer, being a professional singer, being an independent artist, and then being and running a company is three different things. Right? If you want to be a professional singer, you can go sing in, in, in corporate bands and make a lot of money. You're a professional yeah. singer, you know. Yeah. That's what you want to do. You, that's that's you've you've won. If that's what you want to do, you can make good money doing that. Yeah, yes. yeah. You want to go be? You want to be an independent artist? Okay, then that's a little bit. Different. But that's that's different now. Now you put out original music. There's a whole different thing behind that. Now you want to build out your company and and, and learn the the other aspects of the industry. That's a whole different thing. So, but there's an opportunity to to. However much you want to do this thing, there's opportunity to do it. Yeah, and, and there's there, there 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 there's there is the path is different for everybody. You it know, is the, a, and you know we have clients where this is just a serious hobby, and yeah. there is absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. You know, they yeah. want to release music just because they for their friends and their family, or they come in and they want to work on their craft because it's for them. Um, and, and that's okay too, you know, whether it's a hobby or you want to make a living or you want to express your creativity, every journey is different and there is yeah. no, and I'm all for that. You know, I try to tell people like, look, this is what you want to do. You know, understand that this is going to be, and it's a long tail, right? Uh, it's a long tail. So it's going to, it's going to be, a, if you want to do this as a career, it's going to, Minimum, if you ain't put at least five to seven years in, you can't complain about anything. You know, yeah. it might take it might take longer than that. You know, it really it really might take longer than that. There's no way to. It also depends on what you view as success. And I'm not against record companies at all, if it makes sense. You know what I mean? But most of the time, it's not going to make sense for most people. It's just it's impossible for everybody to get signed to a label. It's just impossible to do. Everybody can't get signed to a label. So you got to figure out what's that going to look like. Okay, I run to Nashville, and you can go be a songwriter and make money that way. You go the corporate route. There's so many ways to do it. You know, to do in sync. I know you guys do a lot of stuff in, in pitching for sync, and I want to talk about that. But that's another way to do it. You know, <laughs> so you know, maybe don't want to do the artist thing, but they want to. And there's good money in that too for ads and commercials and you know Michael Elsner, uh, the last I don't know if you guys know him, you know yeah. the buddy, he's a friend of mine, you know what I mean. Uh, 
But yeah, but that's what he does. <laughs> you know, so. That's yeah. stuff something we want to get into a little more here now. Uh, we're kind of changing some things around here and, and, and we want to like kind of branch out into that world a little bit too. Yeah, it's a different world. It's The rules are a little bit different. Because now you're in the film and TV business, it's, you don't have as much creative freedom in the sync space. Because uh, in the sync world, you kind of, you're serving the, the, the production more than just serving the artist. With the artist, you can you have a little more creative license to, to change things around. When it comes to sync, they want what they want. And you better be there to deliver it. That's you know, it's, it's something that Mike has wanted to do for a long time. It's it's really just, and, and he has Michael Alsner's program. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it's something that's really time consuming as well. And it's it just, is. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah. I had a couple <laughs> songs on uh, on this documentary in HBO. And it was like, out of all the stuff that I had, I, I don't even know why they picked those songs. But it, I guess it was just kind of a mood. It was like you said, it was kind of like they want what they want. You know, like yeah. I'm, I got 50 songs over here that I'm surprised you didn't pick them, but you picked these. I didn't even have names for them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, they a lot of times they want what they want and they, you know, and you gotta be prepared. And that's why understanding put the publishing world and how that works and real like you said, the business side of how all this stuff works and, and, and the different rules. And I was fortunate enough for my mentor, Michelle Vice Maslin. She's had over five thousand sinks and placements and she's been in the business forty years professionally. Um uh, and you know, she's done everything. You know, written hit songs for everybody, things like that. But she, she's really big on making sure to understand how the sick world works versus working for artists, you know. And, and she taught, she taught, I took her class. She taught me so much and information and how to do it, how to do it, do it the right way, you know. Because she, because she doesn't use a company to pitch. She pitches herself. So she, she teaches her class how to pitch directly to people. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like go, like go to the like. She's like, we're gonna pitch directly. And do it that way. It's a whole different thing. So definitely, yeah, yeah, really awesome, cool. awesome guys. This has been so much fun, so much, so much fun. Um, what else did I want to add? We kind of covered everything. Um, oh, artist management. So, 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 okay. How do you feel about that? So, <laughs> when it comes to artist man, I have my viewpoint on artist management, but but how do you feel about artist management? started you know partnering in in the business sense um that was something that was you know quite honestly it was missing from what we were teaching i knew i knew nothing about it okay a little bit in the production instruction and i didn't want to do it you're creative that's not what you think your brain doesn't think like that (laughs) and it's okay that's what your your brain thinks differently then, yeah. yeah, so you it's okay. I don't expect you to eat you know, them because your your brain doesn't think that way. Yeah. You know? So doesn't want to think that way. No. Right. <laughs> so I sort of took it upon myself to try to learn the basics, um, learn the ropes. I ha- I was not in the music business, so I didn't have an abundance of experience to fall back on. Right. Um, because it was a, a sort of this missing link of, of some basic things we wanted to teach our clients, um, I started reading, um, you know, Ari Herstan's book, yeah. uh, 
you know, amazing, you know, sort of the, the music business Bible right there. And know, the new, yeah, and in book, see, it's interesting because people have two music, the, the, everything you know about the music business, right? That is what people always talk about with Donald Pashman. But our Hershey's book, I haven't read here, but our Hershey's book is how to make it the new music business. Right, exactly. I think that's the difference. See, to, I, what I've heard is the other book is very technical when it comes right. Most of that stuff is geared towards people who go to labels. That's that's not going to happen for the majority of us. That's why I've never really read it because it's like, yeah, look, it'll teach you the base, but it's like most of that stuff will not. It won't really work for the majority of. Because see, what they, they what, what Mr. Patrick didn't realize was that he. I don't, I don't even know if he's even still alive. Anyway, but they don't realize like most of that stuff won't really work for the majority of. Artists, they won't have to deal with major publishing deals and all the stuff you have to do. As a, you're just not gonna have to deal with that. What ours teaching is totally different. Yeah, with our clients too, being young, starting out, aspiring artists. Um, you know, people coming to us with very little experience for the most part. Yeah, you know, happen to be our clientele. Um, that book was sort of a little stepping off point for me to say, oh my gosh, there, there's so much to learn and so much to know. Right. Um, started, you know, um, going to conferences and trying to network a little bit. That's how we met Rick. Um, and Rick has become just a wonderful mentor for us. Well, Rick um, is awesome. I, I really want to go because I've really been wanting to meet Rick. And, and Rick knows who I am. Uh, he knows who I am. And I, I'm trying to get him on the pod. So hopefully if I meet him in person now, Go to your event. I can try to get him on the podcast. So, um, yeah. Thank you so much. We um, we were able to have him come down and um, a couple different times to speak to our clients. He's a, a wonderful presenter. Just oh, a yeah. and so we learned a lot from him. I dipped my toe into the day to day management um, yeah. experience with my with some of our clients had some amazing, wonderful um, experiences, and then okay. some were not quite as amazing and wonderful, and that's okay. just how it is, right? <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, the biggest challenge for me in, in that respect has been getting people, like we were talking about before, really getting them to, to put in the work and right. to um, view this as a job, um, really, really become educated about what they need to do and following through on everything. Yeah. Um, and you know, you have, um, again, you've got parents who are, who are involved, um, for better or for worse. We, we have a wonderful group right now that we're working with, mm -hmm. with some amazing parents that, oh my gosh, we love them so much. They're, they're just incredible people that are supportive of their kids but not you know stage parents and that's, that's been, and that that honestly that's the that's how that's how it all should be like look yes. i will be the investors we'll put the money up you guys do what you guys do we just want to be parents yeah. like sports yes don't, look just just don't just you do what you do you're professionals do what you do we're just going to sit back here and be supportive and to me that's the best thing it really is. Yeah. Um, so right now, that's that's you know kind of the situation we're in with our young artists. We've got some great parents involved. Um, however, that that said, um, it, it's my my I, I've I've done a lot of reflecting um, during the new year, and right. Mike and I you know started thinking about some ways that we were going to change 
things up here, um, one thing that became clear was that we really, really enjoy writing as, mm -hmm. you know, as, as a duo, we, we enjoy writing. Uh, we're working with a publisher right now. So we Wonderful. have opportunities to, you know, pitch our own material. So we want to build up our catalog. I've been focusing a little bit more on, um, on writing and um, every Friday, actually, this yeah. is our, kind of our writing, writing, our writing day. day. Monday's our production day. Um, so I've taken a little bit of a step back from the day-to-day -day management. Um, so super great that, you know, we've connected with you. If you, you know, hopefully you and I can talk about this more sometime. And Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, so I've taken a little bit of a step back from it um, and just working with a couple people right now in, in that sense. Interesting. Yeah. Here's the way I look at management. Man. Management to me is family. It's the only way it works. It's how I look at it. So I only manage artists that are like family to me. Right. So I manage two artists. And for one person, honestly, really one artist is, is enough. Honestly, because it's two. It's a lot of work. But once you get past three, that's like, that's you know, you, you need you need a staff now, you know. And man, because the truth is, when you work with new artists, there's no money in the artist, man. There's no money in it. So right. you do it because you love it. <laughs> you know I mean? So, yeah. you know, so yeah, and it has, you have to be, it has to be like family. It really does. There has to be a trust because a lot of artists think that the grass is green on the other side. Well, this person has a bigger resume, so I'm going to go over here. Well, that person doesn't care about you as much. They don't have as much invested into you. So don't try to chase the big name. So many artists make that mistake. They try to chase the biggest name. That's the worst thing you can do in this business. Yeah. Chase big names, you know, because those people don't care about you. They don't yeah. care. They don't care anything about you, you know, yeah. especially if you can't make them any money. If you just started out yesterday, you're not going to make some big manager a whole lot of money. They don't care. Right. <laughs> so it has to be really family. It has to be. There has to be, a, a, like I said, a trust on both sides, knowing that, you know, you have each other's back. And just like you're trusting me to have your back, I got to trust you to have my back. When people start coming down in your world and start saying, well, you know what? Oh, Darrell can't do that for you. I can't. Well, they don't understand. Well, I've been here. You know, like we've been on this journey together. Yeah. And, yeah. and we're in the trenches together. You know, yeah. and I get it. Artists are artists, and they want to make it to the top. And I understand that, but but they gotta understand, like it, it's it's not your, your it's not your manager's job to do everything for you. you know, a lot of artists make that mistake too. Yes, you know? yes, so, absolutely. Yeah, I, and I, sometimes I they chase the bright and shiny thing. We yeah. call it, you know. Yes, like, yeah. Here's bright and shiny because they're telling me everything I want to hear. Right. Yeah. Everyone else telling me what I need to do. Right. You know? right. Exactly, exactly. And then it's like, you know, then they want you to invest it. Like, no, the manager doesn't invest like can. But then that shifts the dynamic of stuff. When they start paying for your stuff, paying for sessions or things like that, now it's different. Now they own your music. You know, it's, it's a, it's, it can be a really, really messy situation. You know what I mean? So you don't want to go into it thinking that your manager wants to pay everything for you. You know, your manager's job is to assist you, advise you, advance you. You know, but also too, crazy, and I say this too, you gotta go make your own place. Your manager needs to always be there for every little thing for you. Creatively, 
When you want to go build a network, go make your own plays. You don't need me for everything. Right. Only when it's time to talk business. You know what I mean? Other than that, if you're just talking creative stuff, I don't need to be involved in that. You go do that. Because right. sometimes, right, you know, so I had to tell that to one of my artists, like, well, bro, you're not doing it. I said, do it yourself. I'm here, but you don't need me for every little thing. Go make your own place. Yeah. You know? So definitely, guys. It's been so great. Before we get out of here, this has been a great conversation. You know, I want to be respectful of you guys' time. Um, I know you guys, you, know, you guys do workshops. I guess that we kind of talked about that with Stuff with Rick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's more for that's that was just more for your artists. But you guys, do you guys do workshops just for other uh, that was more for in house? Um, so it depends. Um, before the pandemic, we were we were doing more workshops that we were kind of opening them up to the community. Um, yeah. Now we're just starting to get back into doing workshops, and we haven't really because of you know not knowing what's happening. Right. Uh, you know, with the next variant and all of that, it's been a little bit hard for us to plan. Yeah. Right. Uh, but we would like to do some more things that are open to the community. The the um, uh, workshop that we're having with Rick on February 12th, um, which is just a three hour workshop. And we are, you know, we have limited space. We're having it here at our studio. But we have some people who, you know, have reached out to us. I've been, you know, promoting it a little bit here and there on my uh, stories on Instagram. So I've had a couple people in the community reach out that we don't work with. And it's like, yeah, come on over. Um, so once, once we reach our limit, we could probably do about 25 people here, I would say. We yeah. probably have about 15 people right now. So, yeah, we, we love meeting new people. We love um, networking and, and supporting the Orlando Central Florida music community. So we're, you know, we would like to do some things where we rent a space again. We we mm-hmm. had a, like a, a, I think it was like a two or three day workshop. And that, again, that was with Rick. That was a couple years ago, maybe three years ago. And we had yeah. it at Ace Cafe. We did a writer's round um, on stage on the last day. It was, it was super cool. So hopefully we can do some bigger things like that soon yeah, as well. I'd definitely like to be a part of that for sure. Yeah. Uh, for sure. So, guys, so this has been great. Before we get out of here, how can the people connect to you, connect with you if they want to reach out to you guys? DM Orlando on Instagram is the best way. People can find us there, and our website is in our bio, and we uh, respond to every DM that we get. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Awesome, guys. Well, look, this has been a great episode. I'm so glad to have you guys today. It's really warmed my heart to meet people um, who are in my city. Because most people I work with are usually not from here. So it's good to have people that are here that uh, I can build relationships with and and continue to fight the good fight. I work with independent artists and creatives because it really is my passion to do that. So, guys, till next time, this has been your host, Terrell Peart. I'm out of here. Peace. Thank you so much. Thank you.